The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, we're going to address the issue of commitment phobia, uh, intimacy issues, fear of intimacy, fear of commitment. Uh, That's after 10.15, but first. Safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514-800. All right, let me get to uh, some of your questions. Uh, So this one was left over on the text board. Any tips for a husband who says the vagina has a taste and he's afraid to go down on me? So sometimes we have preconceived notions of uh genitals and genital smell and uh, we in our society unfortunately there's been what i would call vagina shaming in many ways where vaginas are seen as uh, somehow smelly stinky whatever but that's not the case so yes some you know all vaginas have a, a scent an odor it's a natural odor if it's a foul odor then there's a problem clearly Um, But otherwise, what you can do to help out here is you can use, for example, they make uh, lubricants that are uh, flavored, so flavored lubricants or something like that that he can uh, put there that might be helpful. So um, that would mask whatever, right? Even though it's, it's really a fear that gets in the way rather than the actuality. So it's not that your uh, vagina has a particular uh, ever a, a smell or a, a taste that is uh, uh, not palatable, let's say, uh, versus his fear that it might be. And again, some people have this notion that it's somehow icky, right? Uh, so the way to do it, Use some kind of other taste to mask. Some people play with food. Some people play with, uh, with honey, whipped cream, uh, things like that. The only thing I would, uh, I would just caution when using food in, in your genital or around your genitals is you don't want anything to go inside simply because it can change the pH in, in your body, uh, in your vagina. It could uh, maybe cause some irritation or something like that but you would only know if if you actually uh if you actually try it so that's something you can do this is a, an email i got similar similar situation i've been married for almost eight years and i can say that we are pretty open as far as trying doing different stuff but we don't really try a lot of oral she said a couple of times she doesn't like it she doesn't feel a thing I know she is lying because we have done it before and there is expressions, movements that you just can't avoid doing when something feels right down there. Anyways, I too don't feel like going down there that much, even though I used to be a huge oral giver fan and sometimes I feel desperate for a good (laughs) Mount Venus breakfast. That's cute. The reason is that for a long time now, she's had this bad smell taste. So in part, I feel she knows and 
doesn't want me to approach her like that and don't really want to. I've been searching on the web, but all articles, videos I found go like this. Bad smell, bad taste, blah, blah. Eat right, bad smell, bad taste. Eat pineapple, apple, blah, blah. But they don't disclose anything at all. I would be cool to get more information about it, not just a, yeah, there is smelly vaginas, and if you eat pineapples and overall eat more healthy, it's all going to get good. I want to know if there's any other factors. Is there a real treatment or do vaginal soaps help? Should I better talk my wife into going to the gynecologist? Needless to say, we are open to trying, but trying is different to talking and we get awkward at the moment of talking. So I feel I need to be somehow informed before trying to suggest something. Well said, by the way. Uh, Anytime there is a, a bad or a foul smell coming from the vagina, it absolutely should be checked out by a doctor because you want to rule out a bacterial infection, which can be treated. So this is important. Soaps don't really help this, nor will perfumes or sprays or things that are sold to women and they're sold to women. To, they make them feel insecure about their smell. And then there's, they sell them these products because as if a vagina should smell like roses for some reason. So uh, all of that is, it, it's taking advantage of already all the vagina shaming that goes on and has been going on in our society for God knows how long. So don't buy into that. Vaginas are self-cleaning organs they don't need special soaps they don't need you just wash yourself like you would any other part of your body um i think the way to approach your wife is really to tell her that you care about her health and that you miss giving her oral pleasure and that you'll go with her to to support her to the doctor's office just to check it out so again if it's if she's worried because she thinks it smells, not it actually does. And a lot of women, again, buy into this thing that our vaginas are smelly. Uh, then that's what may be holding uh, her back. So really talking about this and um, talking about the what's normal and this is a normal uh, smell. And, it's, and if it's fine for you and you're okay with it, then hopefully she'll okay with it too. You can always tap, you can always like, um, make her feel better by saying, fine, if you're worried, we'll, we'll only have oral sex after we've just both come out of the shower. So there should be no issue there. Right. So again, that's something else. So if, if it's really bad, there's a reason for that. Then you absolutely something that she, uh, should check out couple of texts. What is the particular taste that some vaginas have? I find some taste great. Sometimes a shower is all that is needed. I've had bad experiences, but in general, it is positive if both shower. And yes, obviously if, listen, we sweat in our genital area as well. So if you're going to perform oral sex at the end of a day when you've been in your underwear and you've gone to the bathroom several times, obviously it's not the same as if you just come out of the shower or what have you. It doesn't mean it's foul. It may just not be as palatable. So we should all be practicing good hygiene anyway. And it's not just vaginas. Um, testicles, the penises, they can have a smell too. And it's from just your general 
cleanliness, right? So with a vagina though, it's a little bit different because if there is an infection or something is going on, then you would notice it, that it would be very different than what it is um, normally. Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. While it's not an intimacy deal breaker for that wife whose husband is vagina to mouth hesitant, I hope they find a mutually satisfying uh, solution. Yes, I hope, uh, I hope so too. Sometimes if the woman does not rinse the soap off may cause a bad odor after a while. Okay, so that's interesting. Rinse it well. Yes, you'd also don't, you want to rinse well because you don't want an irritation uh, either. So there you go. 514-800. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on commitment, commitment phobia, fear of commitment. If you've ever been down that road uh, or if you've been with a partner who you felt has been um, reluctant to uh, commit and you notice there's an anxiety around that or a fear around that, we can certainly discuss that uh, tonight coming up as that will be or topic of the evening. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight, let's talk about an issue that a lot of people do uh, struggle with, no question about it, and we can ask, like, why is it that many avoid intimacy yet they crave the love, right? But they avoid the intimacy. So I want to hear from you if you've ever felt anxiety about, about committing, or maybe you've met someone who was just unable to, uh, to commit. Would love to hear some of your, uh, your thoughts on that. We often attribute this mostly to men, but really it, it isn't just have the same fear. So let, let's talk about what that is. So what is fear of commitment? What we're talking about here is basically an avoidance of long-term partnership or marriage, although marriage may not be the, the thing anymore since so many people just live together. Um, but sometimes the, the problem can even be more pervasive than that, affecting different areas uh, of life. Just as a little trivia tidbit, the, the term commitment phobia is uh, not so old. It was first talked about in a book, a self-help book uh, called Men Who Can't Love. And I remember reading that book so long ago, and this was in 19, uh, 1987. So that was the first time that it was, uh, it was coined. And then there was a, a study done at Rutgers University that uh, found that men today, the modern men is over that men are overwhelmingly apprehensive about getting, uh, married, even though uh, cohabitation is on the rise, marriage is going down. Now, does this, does the, the increase in cohabitation just living together and not getting married, does it, is that, does that indicate a, a fear of something more serious? Is it because it's easier to get out of a relationship if you're not married? So some of the, you know, I, I'm not so sure that it's, it's all about people who are commitment phobic because there are people who don't value marriage in that way or don't need marriage to feel like they are in a, um, in a serious relationship, right? So, and sometimes it's life events that can trigger the, uh, 
commitment phobia, right? So for example, one partner suggests taking things to the next level and that might freak somebody out or the thought of marriage or the thought of children or the thought of moving in together or the thought of sharing a house or, or sharing, um, a life with someone. And so these are the kinds of thinking that can trigger a fear response. It's, it's a bit of an, it's an anxiety response. It's a type of, um, anxiety, but, but what's really behind the fear of commitment? I really believe that the heart at the heart of this issue is the fear that something and tell me what that something is for you, but something will be lost, right? But think about it. Every decision we make in life by definition means that we are losing other option options, right? So if I choose to marry, I'm my option to be single gone, right? That's one flagrant, um, example. And oftentimes people who are commitment phobes are fearful of, of somehow making the wrong decision, making the wrong choice. And this puts them into this zone of, uh, of, of fear basically. So, and, and people who fear committing to a relationship sometimes have difficulty committing to other decisions too. And that can include, uh, this is why I said it's more pervasive than that. Sometimes it can include careers or travel or what school to go to or what restaurant to eat at. So they may have more difficulty making, um, some decisions. It can also mask the, quite the opposite. In other words, a desperate desire for intimacy and security that comes from a healthy long-term relationship it's it's a fear of it not working out, which causes a lot of, uh, commitment phobic individuals to just simply avoid a relationship that they actually need. So the greatest desire, the greatest desire of somebody who fears commitment is actually commitment. It's actually love and closeness, but it what's, it's what puts them into this fear mode. Uh, text writes in, I need my space, maybe more than more guys. I like alone time, but want someone in my life, but on my terms, very unfair. I'm impossible. I wouldn't say that you're impossible because first of all, I get it. If you like your alone time, you're allowed to have alone time, even within a relationship. It doesn't mean that if you're in a relationship, you have to be together 24 seven or be, uh, always on somebody else's like, you know, under the microscope all the time. You're allowed to have your own time. You're allowed to have your own, uh, life. If you look at it as two intersecting circles, the part that's the couple is the intersection. So the majority is you, it's each individual coming together to, uh, share something, but sometimes that's the fear. The fear is if I get involved with someone or I live with someone or I marry someone that my individuality will be gone. So you need to find someone who values their own space too, or who understands the need uh, for space. And we all have a different kind of level of uh, need for space.
Why could you buy a house, have children, but not want to get married? Well, I guess that's the question, right? Some people don't feel that marriage is a necessity to be committed, to have children, to all of that. Um, in Quebec, I think in North America, we are the highest, uh, we have the highest number of children living in non-married homes actually in all of North America, maybe the world. I'm not even so sure, but I don't think it's necessarily an indication that people are afraid to get married. I think it might be part of our culture here. It's just more, we see it more and it's maybe more acceptable. I'm not so sure that it indicates that we are a society uh, that are, that is just fearful of marriage. I think there's a backlash to, um, this society that was once very, very like religious and Catholic. And, and so there may be a, a backlash against that. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to explain why it's such a huge number here, but it is, if anybody has information on that or wants to share their, their thoughts on that, please do 514-800. You can also call in at 514-790-0800. Sometimes people also uh, stay away from long-term relationships or don't give of themselves, are, are afraid to be uh, that vulnerable, even uh, that dependent. And let me just say, healthy dependency is a good thing. When we bond with someone, we want to develop a uh, a, a healthy dependency on, on them, meaning we want to be with someone who we can look to, to support us, who has our back, who's there for us. So that's a healthy dependency. Um, but the person who's afraid fears, uh, maybe getting, uh, rejected fears that a breakup is inevitable. Um, so it's a way of avoiding the pain of a breakup later on down the road. So they don't go there so that they avoid that level of, um, of pain. So of course, like why it always leads to the question, like, why does this happen? Why do some people feel this way? Many, there could be many, many reasons, but it could, it could very well be your past experiences with partners, you know, uh, uh, burned once, you don't want to be burned again, kind of thing, or you don't want to go through that level of pain again. So you avoid that. It could be that you are witness to, uh, close relationships where, um, fell apart. It could be that you grew up with uh, parents who had a very rocky relationship. And so you have this notion that this is that relationships are not good. They're not healthy. They always end up hurting people. So, uh, it, it can lead you feeling, well, no relationship lasts forever anyway. So, you know, I, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop basically is, is what you do. So, there's other reasons too, obviously. So remember I was talking about if you choose one avenue, it means you have to let go of others. So a lot of people feel that if they commit to somebody, to one person, that they lose their freedom somehow, right? That they are no longer the master of their domain, that they uh, cannot run their own lives anymore by their own rules, doing what they want to do when they want to do it. So there's, and this can lead to, um, a sense of a feeling trapped and 
when somebody feels trapped, they want to get the hell out, right? You, you, you know that, that feeling of if you're caged anywhere, you just want to find a way out. So there's that. There's some people can also feel very territorial about their, um, space. So, you know, your girlfriend uh, partner starts leaving a toothbrushes, asks for a drawer, their clothes start, yeah, slowly their stuff starts to uh, come in. This may make you feel like you are losing your autonomy as well. Texter writes in, I think living together is a socially and economically easier situation to get out of for guys anyway, if things don't work out for whatever reason and commitment avoidance, people are so different. And in today's complicated society, there are a whole lot of available personal hobbies, pastimes that individuals might not want to restrict for themselves if they commit to being with someone and then have to accommodate each other's choices and priorities. But I, I, yes, I think there's, that's a belief, but I really don't think you have to give up your own pastimes. And I mean, unless it involves, you know, cheating on your partner or whatever, but your own activities, your own life, your own interests to accommodate the other. You think you have to be where you both respect each other, that you make room for each other, but that you still maintain your own activities, your own friendships, your, your, your own individuality coming together. doesn't mean you become one person. You become two people that are joined, but you don't become one person. Coming up, our stupid sex story of the day was sent in by a listener who has one to share uh, with us, her own. Uh, so she was brave enough to send that to us. That's coming up. After- the following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. So this stupid sex story was sent in by a listener and uh, she called it that, so I'm using it as that. This is embarrassing, but now a bit funny and thought I should share with you. I have had a faithful, enjoyable toy for many years, but Saturday night, it broke in the worst way. It is two small tubular vibrators with a wired remote control. I usually put one just a little inside myself and use the other to vibrate against my clitoris. The one that was inside me a bit stopped vibrating and to my horror, the wire had broken and had broken. When I went to get it out, it slipped inside deeper. I tried everything myself to get it, but it was impossible. Every time I tried, it went in a little deeper. I got a mirror and when I opened myself up as much as I could, I could see the tip of it, but could not get a hold of it. I had an idea. I got the turkey baster and cut the tip off and with the mirror opened myself up as much as I could again, squeezed the baster ball and inserted it in until it touched the vibrator, releasing the ball and it got it out. The lesson is to me and others is toys like this do not last forever. Check them carefully before use. I think I gave you a my stupid sex story. I need a new turkey baster and stick to conventional sex toys. I think that's great. Thank you for that. Uh, really, really appreciate it. you have a stupid sex story of your own uh, that happened to you, please uh, send them to me to Lori at drlaurie.com. All right, we've been talking about commitment phobia. One of the probably the scariest consequence of, of all for commitment phobes is that when you commit, 
whether you're living with somebody or you're getting married or whatever, most of us are like, we willingly volunteer to cut ourselves off from other sexual pursuits, right? There is like this understanding that if I marry you, I marry you for, uh, I, I promise fidelity. And when you live together, same thing, unless you have another arrangement that has been verbalized. That's really important. So the fear is, okay, so now I won't have anybody else. I'm going to be with you for just one, this one person for the rest of my life. So the fear of sexual boredom, uh, lessening of sexual desire, all of that certainly plays uh, a part in some of that uh, fear. A couple of uh, texts here, good for that woman and her turkey based or ingenuity when the situation called for it. Yep. Uh, think about this. Once marriage falls apart, women can move on with alimony and child support. Men have half of their worth taken from them. Women lose nothing from marital breakdown. <clears throat> I think you're quite wrong with that, first of all. And let me just share with you that in today's world, I can tell you that I know of a few, quite a few women who are the ones paying the alimony because they make more than their um, ex-husbands. They get no uh, child support because they make more than their husbands. So, uh, and in the family uh, patrimony, like the alimony comes when the, when the wife isn't making money or when she has been a stay-at-home mom. Who decided to make her a stay-at-home mom? Oftentimes it's a decision made by both people and it cannot be considered not working. She is working and it, it working to run the household. And this was a decision made by both. So I think you're, I get where you're coming from, but Hey, you've got to look at the other side. And if you look at the statistics in terms of what divorce does economically, women are the ones who suffer economically far more than the, uh, the men, they end up, they are more likely to end up in poverty than their partners. So check your facts before you, um, make statements, uh, like that. I've been with great women and I get into my comfort zone. Then of course, eventually she brings up moving in together. At first it sounds appealing, but after thinking about it, it is not so appealing. So I delay, delay. Then of course she wants a definitive answer. Then I don't care if they come and go as they please in my house. I give them keys and full access, but not living at the same address. Is that nuts? So I don't think that's nuts. I think it's your own boundaries and what, what have you. I'm not even sure that that's commitment phobia, especially if you're older, because for older people who have been down that road or who have been married before and who are divorced, they, uh, a lot of commitments can be made with two people who live in sep at separate addresses and their relationships work well, obviously if you get married, you know, it's hard to marry, to get married and live sep at separate addresses. It's kind of strange, but not on, I guess not, not doable, whatever, however you choose to do it is, is your decision together. But I think your partners really, they, they want to wide the moving in. It's a way to say you commit to me, like we are exclusive and such. So I think there's that commitment for, um, exclusivity in a way. I have been like this for seven years now, had a live in, but she traveled so much. I was okay with it. Well, that's another option, right? So 
clearly what I'm hearing from you is you're looking for someone who gives you your space where they're not always in your face, where they're not always there, uh, 24 seven and where you have, uh, your own, your own space. And that's okay. I, I, you know, I can't say that like, we all have different needs, like I said, for, for space, but finding somebody who, who understands that and who's okay with that, that's different than saying, I don't want you know, I don't want to be exclusive or, uh, like there's different, I guess there's different ways of committing, right? It's not just about marriage or, or living together, although that's something that is even scary. And some people have been burned. If they've been in negative relationships in the past, they may be quite reluctant to engage in a new relationship because of the same issues might arise. So nobody wants to repeat those patterns. And unfortunately, sometimes they do repeat. And so it kind of reinforces, uh, reinforces that and then leads a person to just completely avoid, uh, serious, um, relationships, right? The free time aspect of it. So again, uh, missing out on, uh, on free time that they had before, if they get into a, uh, serious relationship. And part of that is the feeling that, uh Oh, if I have free time, I have to spend it with, um, with my significant other. But again, that too, uh, gets negotiated. You need free time. Your partner needs free time. If you have, if you end up with partners that tend to be more, uh, clingy and, and dependent in not such a healthy way, that's different then you might push that away because then you see that as an impingement on that, on your time and your, um, independence. She writes in, I know a few women whose husbands earn decent money and who definitely haven't come off too well economically after their divorces. Listen, divorces hurt. There's no question that there's an emotional toll. There's a financial toll, but I've also known men who have come ahead uh, financially, not, uh, have, uh, you know, they, they've been able to, uh, do well taking care of their kids and they are, you're still responsible for the children you made together. Alimony is a different scenario, but taking care of your kids that you're going to do anyway. So, and splitting of, of property, that's part of the law, right? You split up, uh, you, you divorce, well, whatever you own together get split 50, 50. That's the law. Unless you have some other, uh, some other arrangement. I want to talk about how to spot a, uh, commitment phobe. So maybe you've been with one, maybe, you know, one, uh, maybe you left one. <laughs> uh, I would love to hear some of your thoughts on that as well at five, one, four, hundred. I've yet to meet one who can tolerate my term for ex- extended period of time. They want commitment. I get it. Everyone wants someone to be a witness to their life and someone they can be with. Well, yes, it's, it's about sharing one's, one's life. Not everybody is looking for that. Listen, I've talked about uh, on the show about research on, on people who are single and are, are just are happily single. And it's never even been in committed, uh, long-term relationships and they're fine. So, uh, it, yes, if you're going to date somebody with, unless you spell it out right away, this is casual, then the likelihood is even if it's casual, women will get attached possibly and will want more. And, and so 
want some level of exclusivity, if we want to call it that, maybe a different word than uh, than commitment. But I'd love to hear some thoughts from women uh, as well tonight at 514-800. Safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. We're talking about uh, commitment phobia. Hear some of your thoughts if you've been down uh, down that road, as some of our uh, our texters have been. But you know, we've been talking about some of the reasons. Not everybody, not everybody who doesn't want to commit is fearful. Some people are just not ready, and that's okay. You don't need to be uh, ready. Some people, like if you notice, the age of marriage is much later now. So. Maybe there's just no rush to jump into any relationship because you've got other things going on. Maybe you've decided, no, you know what? I want to focus on my career. I want to get my career off the ground. I want to buy a house first or uh, I need to, I want to find the, the, I guess the perfect match uh, for me. So those are the kinds of things that can also interfere, just not your readiness uh, for it. Text writes in, we live together apart going on five years. It works. We both have our space and togetherness, best of both worlds. So there's a couple that makes it work and they are committed. I know of other couples who, who have uh, apartments in the same building. I, I know one couple who have, a, they have an apartment across from each other and they take turns going into each other's uh, space or what have you. And they are perfectly happy this way and have been doing this for years. I know another couple that's married and they live in the same building as well in separate spaces. It works for them. So, you know, there's not one size fits all for even for uh, commitment. It just has to work for both, both people involved. You can't have one wanting something and always asking for something and pressuring for something and the other one backing away and, and avoiding that just leads to a lot of uh, issues and fights and frustrations and, and resentments, which of course, as you know, not good for a relationship, but let's talk about how to spot a, uh, commitment phobe, let's say. So let's look at commitment phobia in men. Interestingly, men are the ones who are associated with this, uh, fear, this phobia more than, um, women are. I don't know why that is, but maybe, it's just that we tend to see men as the, uh, the hunters, you know, um, they enjoy the hunt and the chase and then they get bored once they achieve their prey kind of thing. I mean, that's in animal, but, uh, that might be, that might be something, right? So here are some of the, the possible, uh, signs. So at the beginning, the person may seem perfectly, uh, charming and once you start like letting your guard down, maybe, maybe his interest will seem like it is dwindling. Uh, he will appear or seem selfish and in his own world, uh, men who are afraid to commit may, uh, hold the sanctity of their world in, in their, in very high respect. And they don't take kindly to someone coming in and changing anything about it. They like their routine. They like their way. They like the, their space, etc. Um, maybe, um, you know, he doesn't want to be the, the man around the house. So when you call him up and say, Hey, I need you to do this, that, or the other, 
they may not be so available. Um, he, about this one where he may never speak of a future together. He lives for the now, doesn't want to talk about it. If you mention it, he might laugh it off. Uh, he won't discuss his life with you in that way. And he may be more likely to stick to more superficial, uh, subjects rather than deeper rooted ones, which of course would put them in a more intimate, intimate meaning into me, see, right. Looking inside the person sharing somebody's inside. So commitment phobia is also apparent in women. This is not just a thing where, um, men, you know, it's not about fairy tales. Like it's not all women don't, don't buy into the, uh, the fairy tale where they are commitment crazy. Right. I think the women of today are looking for way more than just a man to settle down with. I think uh, a lot of women have uh, careers and, um, and, and there are certain lifestyle changes that maybe not all women want or can handle. There's also women and some men who also fear the, the fear of abandonment is a, a very strong reason why many women may shy away from commitment as well. So if you, this is advice to men dating, uh, women or women dating women, I guess, if these are some of the things that may exhibit, uh, her fear of commitment, she may have lots of friends everywhere. And those friends will be the, like uh, the utmost important to her, but she won't necessarily want you to meet her friends. Uh, she will be successful with, uh, with her work, her job will be very important to her. And it doesn't matter what she does. She's committed to, to her uh, work and it will be very important to her. She won't discuss her personal life and emotions with you. So again, uh, not letting you in, uh, she may be touchy about things like, you know, like likes things a certain, uh, a certain way with her friends and she, with her friends or other things and she doesn't want, uh, anybody messing with any of these, uh, these things, right. Cause it can turn her off to, from a, a, a relationship, a serious relationship. She may be, uh, critical. Uh, she may be very in or seem very independent and knows what she wants, but yet in the realm of relationships that won't show through because, she might still be avoidant or fearful of, um, of that kind of commitment. So I think it's important that as individuals, if we are, if you're single and you're struggling and you notice a pattern, ask yourself questions like, why are you afraid of commitment? Is it the particular partner? Is it you? Are you afraid of, of getting hurt? I think it's important to make sense of this yourself, right? Awareness, awareness is the first step in changing your life in the first step in like moving forward. So make a list of these things, write down these, these questions of the possible reasons why have a look at them. Do they make sense to you? And maybe now create a list of things that you actually love about your partner. So this is for people who are in, um, relationships and 
realize that if your partner would want marriage or live together or a family, you might be too afraid to say yes. Then think about how your partner would then take it. Now I want you to imagine and think about your life to family. Think about the good thoughts. I'm not talking about the bad things, not all the things you're going to miss out on, but think about your first home together. Think about what it would be like to have babies and um, being with somebody, sitting on the porch and having a glass of wine with a partner or a cup of coffee every morning with a partner. Think about that. And then confront your fears. And maybe... um, You need to talk, like it's important to also verbalize this, even with a partner, maybe explaining the reasons why you don't want commitment, maybe yet, maybe there are conditions or things that you uh, need, but it's really important to be able to talk to our partners about uh, what's going on, right? What's going on in your life that uh, maybe you don't have time for commitment, I think it's important that people don't play games. Like if you know that this is something that is going on, like having this awareness um, to me goes a, a long way because if you decide, look, this is just not for me, I don't want it for this, this, and that reason, well then understand that whoever you're going to date, uh, they need to understand what they're getting themselves into so that they don't get... Uh, too attached, no, because they're going to, you know, you need to be able to tell them ahead of time. Although there's no guarantee, right? You can tell somebody till you're blue in the face what you want. And oftentimes people think they can change somebody. Or, oh yeah, with all my love, I'll, yeah, I'll be the one. I'll be the one to change this person. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Commitment phobes, best let those guys and girls work things out for themselves or even just be somehow satisfied that way in their own time and at their own pace. Uh, Much thank yous, Dr. Lori, have made me realize things about myself. I have a few things to fix about myself. I have to make changes, thank you. If this has helped even one person, I'm happy. Uh, Something that uh, many people experience. Thank you, thank you all for uh, being here uh, with me and for taking the time to be here. Thank you to our technical producer, Jimmy Garofalis tonight. If you wanna connect with me on social media, you can do that uh, easily through my website, drlaurie.com. That's where you can just uh, find me in every possible way. Uh, There you can also find the podcasts of all past shows as well. Uh, Or if you have the iHeart app, just go to our CJAD show page and you will find the podcast there as well. Coming up next here on CJAD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. VacuPro has everything you need for a clean home. All types of vacuums, parts, supplies, cleaning products, repairs, award-winning service, and more. Pop by the shop. All safety precautions are in place for a safe shopping experience. Or shop online. They even offer private shopping by appointment. Plus, in-home service, delivery, and curbside pickup. Whatever your needs, go to the pros at VacuPro in Plaza Point Claire or online at vacupro.ca. Please shop local.